Thursday, April 22nd, 2021. This is The Better Life. I'm your host, Timothy Lawson. Living a better life means taking a little break for the other things in life. Taking a little little hiatus. I don't want to call it hiatus. It wasn't that long. Two, three weeks, I think. I'm back. Uh, and now uh, I'm ready to get back into things. I have, I have this feeling that The Better Life is... Like when I look at what I'm trying to do with it, when I look at the upcoming shows, when I look at sort of the content that I can start creating now that uh, casino goings are becoming more of a reality, I, I, I kind of have the same feeling that I did in the first year of The Better Life, uh, like pre-Eric. And uh, it feels good. It, it has me excited to think, that, um, you know, I, we could be back in stride and and get back to uh get back to talking about uh, the better life because uh i'm sure plenty of you were like look we get it Tim. you bet on soccer but there's other things we want <laughs> there's other things we want to hear you talk about uh but going to the casino was tough but um i've i've reached a point which i i'm comfortable with going now i'm half vaccinated to get my i get my second half here in a couple weeks um headed and um yeah Gonna do a little bit more casino goings. Talk about times at the table. Talk about casino offerings. Talk about uh, exploring different, uh, you know, approaches to casino life, betting, etc. And then, of course, with some new, with some of the newer contemporary stuff, right? Like, in, for a good example, this episode here with Mark Duvall. had a lot, of, have a lot of fun doing these. This is a lot of fun. Uh, I know technically, when you look in the episodes list, this was just two episodes ago, but it's been about a month since since uh, him and I uh, last spoke. Uh, we talk about pool hall junkies and owning Mahoney uh, in this uh, in this episode. So uh, I'll get right to it. Uh, catch up with me after uh, this discussion with Mark for uh, some news from The Better Life and uh, a, a short segment from A Familiar Voice. Enjoy. Hey, Mark. <laughs> hey, how's it going? I started that a little late and I was like, I'm not going to let it run all the way through. I'll just uh, I'll just swing us on in here. There's no fancy uh, fade fade to black or anything hey. to bring us in. Just just <laughs> click it. Click us in. Good. Uh, how are you, buddy? Very good. How are you? It's been a while. It has been a while, you know. I um to any to any aspiring podcasters out there, if you plan your breaks or plan to be able to take a break, uh, don't be the podcaster like me who's just like, uh, need a couple weeks. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> Hope you guys like listening to you can bet on that. Nothing else for the next uh, <laughs> next couple of weeks, because uh, everybody was uh, was void. I feel like the past couple of weeks, uh, yeah, seven out been... had a kid. Shout out to them. Right. Yeah. Shout out to Vinny for uh, and he tweeted. Sounds like it sounds like the family's good. Yeah. It's congrats. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Um, Adam Bauer, I think might have posted something, but like it was something that he had done like a month before that other. I don't even know anymore. I, I don't know. He's very. He, he's obviously screen. very busy with his uh, newsletter. I know he's getting a lot of attention <laughs> for that and putting it out. So. The, I have. The, I feel like the these two movies are going to take up uh, a good amount of time. I think this is going to be a very full discussion, uh, especially because owning Mahoney. I don't know if there's a. I don't know if there's a movie that I've seen that's actually had so much gambling in it. Oh like, yeah, I have so many notes for it here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, as I was watching it, I was yeah. like, as I was like, I was like, holy smokes! Like, I need a break to like to. to I need a break from all these scenes. Yeah. Uh, like it. And it's 
and it, it 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 so well tells the you know the the reality of a prom gambler right it really is oh. part of all of your life right like you know every oh, yeah. it's, moment so it's 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 hard to watch in a lot of ways yeah. yeah and you know it's interesting on a recent episode of um gambling with an edge they were talking about movies and uh, richard munchkin said that he doesn't enjoy watching films that are about like problem gambling. And he even mentioned owning Mahoney as an example. I can kind of undersee, uh, I could kind of see why, you know, from the AP community and things like that, they, they don't really want to see that because hopefully none of them are problem gamblers, although they've certainly seen people like that. And it, they probably, well, I guess that's what I'm trying to get at. They've seen people like that. They know how yeah. bad it can be and they don't need that in a movie, <laughs> but uh, an excellent movie anyway. There's a couple, uh, not gambling related, but there was a couple big TV uh, announcements that I'm very excited about. Curious if you if you uh, have anything you're looking forward to. Uh, right. Rick and Morty season five just got announced coming yes. in late June. Mm-hmm. Ted Lasso season two just got announced. Coming oh, and you know, July. I did watch the whole first season of Ted Lasso. I think since we last talked, very much enjoyed it. Yeah, definitely yes. recommend it to others. Yes, it was it was so so silently the best show of 2020. You know, when I heard the premise, I'm thinking, okay, this is going to be so ridiculous. And then they actually had a reason for it. And what I didn't realize is it was going to be kind of the the feel good sitcom of the year. Right. In a way, it's it's, uh, you know, nice. (laughs) Right. Amongst, uh, you know, all the terrible things that are kind of happening. So, yeah, definitely a great show. Yep. Um, Okay. Owning Mahoney and uh, and Pool Hall Junkies. We're going to start with Owning Mahoney to try Good. to get pressing stuff out of the way. Good. I was going to suggest that. I'm glad you did. So, um, Owning Mahoney, I have uh, a copy of it, uh, but it is available on on YouTube. I tweeted out the link to that on YouTube. If you just go on YouTube and search Owning Mahoney, you will find there's a random user. It's not some official account. It's not that just, it just, I think the file's called Owning Mahoney 720p. I think that's uh, what yeah, right. the, the title's called. <laughs> I think you're right. Yeah. Whole, and it's a whole movie. It's yeah. a whole movie. Um, I and it's, think, been, it's been up there for some time. I think over a year. So well, that's what kind of surprised me. So I think this is a Canadian movie. I think it is. That, it is Canadian. Yes. Right. So does it? Does YouTube have like? I, this is what I wonder. Is is yeah. is the? <laughs> is there some loophole with U.S. copyright laws that makes YouTube just not care? Okay. Or is, or, yeah. or is it such a small film? No one cares. No. Well. No it, yeah. I don't think it's that. No. But yeah, okay. the the Canada aspect might have something to do with it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So Oni Mahoney, it's a true story. It's about a... Uh, right. Roughly I, based on a true story. I think they took right. some liberties. Like, that's not his name and things like that. But yes, based right. on a true story, yeah. So the gentleman's, gentleman's name, I believe, is actually Brian Maloney. Correct. And um, in the film, his name is Dan Mahoney. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's... Um, Yes, it's based on a Toronto-based banker who uses his access to credit credit lines with um, with clients and such to pull out money and feed his gambling habits. Yes, because this film is technically available online somewhere, I am going to avoid spoilers uh, because this is even though it's a true story and you kind of know what happens. I think if he, there's still um. um a bit of suspense as you're getting later into the movie. And I do think it's a movie that every gambler should watch. It's one of those things where 
I um, I think that every gambler should be reminded, even if it's a fictional uh, take on a on a nonfiction story. Of I think what, yeah, what this stuff looks like. That's very good advice because even though we may not be problem gamblers, we can look at this movie and get you know sick to our stomachs, thinking, yep. "Oh my gosh, look at the situation he's got into," you know. Uh, and you know, if the, if you do have problem gambling, you know, seek help <laughs> and maybe yep. we can talk about it afterwards. Cause we don't mention that a lot on our podcast cause doggone it. It's, it's about entertainment. We're having fun, but people yes. can have problems and there are, there are ways to reach out for help. So anyway, yep. Uh, just one one's in the building. What's up, man. Good to see you again. I just one one. Yes. Um, Okay. I have, uh, normally I like try to clock these scenes. There's so many of them I didn't bother. Um, so this is just going to be a flow of things as you sort of see them going through, uh, the movie. This, th- the setting of this is the early 1980s. That's something yes. to, to point out as That's well. That's important too. Yeah. Yes. Uh, the movie came out in 2003. The setting though is the early 1980s. Um, uh, now this is so the, the the movie when as it transitions from this opening scene that uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman has with uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman of course playing Dan Mahoney uh, that he has with his therapist um, as it transitions you hear the sound of a roulette ball spinning and I thought to myself is that a common enough sound where the average listener knows what that is there's no visual cue as to what what that is um, do you think do you think the average person just by the sound alone could identify that as a, as a roulette ball spinning? No, I think the average person would not. They'd yeah. hear it and then they'd see, oh, that's what it is. Right. But any of us who have spent some time in the casino would probably be right away. You could, you know, the dropping of the ball or, you know, yes. the spinning and then the dropping. So, but I would say the average viewer, no. Yeah. I thought that was a, I, 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 I'm not sure why I picked up on that, but I was curious immediately. I was like, this is mm-hmm. that, that's, uh, it, I mean, obviously it fits with the, uh, with the movie, but, um, I wonder, I was like, is that, is that accessible to everybody? Yeah. Um, uh, <laughs> at, uh, early on, um, a, a, a colleague of his, um, uh, mentions something about action, and Philip Seymour Hoffman responds, "I'm always where the action is." And I thought that it was like the fir- there was there hasn't been a gambling reference yet, to, really. But I love that that was like almost a primer. Of, oh, that's a good like, catch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, because this movie is scene after scene after scene of him gambling, yeah. um, almost to the point where even as a gambler, I'm like, goodness, this is a lot. <laughs> Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Is it, was there no other part of the story to tell? <laughs> um. Uh. All right. So immediately after he is said to have good, great judgment. Um. Someone who's pre- uh presumably um a superior of some sort, or at least right, the, higher up. The people at the bank really respect him. Yeah. Right. Yeah. He gets they they go on about how they respect him, and they said he has great judgment. And it yeah. and then it immediately cuts to a scene where two bookies are in his office at work, yeah. um, and the bookie is trying to cut him off completely uh, because he's down ten thousand three hundred. And I wanted to make this is where the con the, like the setting context is important. 10 dimes maybe not, not like wouldn't shake uh doesn't sound too extreme today in okay. the 80s that's like <laughs> half of an annual salary for someone yeah, who's right. doing modest yes, right definitely yeah um he <laughs> 
they have this they have this back and forth this arguing right he's not trying to not get cut off this is like the nicest bookie i've seen i, I was actually I, kind of- I wanted to i wanted to mention that yeah the bookie yes. of frank is played by maury chaikin and yeah he's like the lovable bookie he's like the good guy yeah he's kind of like rooting for mahoney and yes. he does you know kind of early on cut him off say no i'm not going to take your bets yeah what what i loved is as they're going through this back and forth uh <laughs> Philip Seymour Hoffman says, what am I supposed to do? Just go to the racetrack and watch? I I wrote that one down. That's such a great line. Go to the racetrack and watch. And you can just see somebody there. Oh, I'm not interested in wagering. I just love to sit and watch the horses run. Can you imagine someone being at the track telling you that? Oh, no, I'm just here to watch. Oh, okay. <laughs> but man, uh, a great line. One of the best lines in the movie. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, and really the first, you know, you know, I'm always where the action is, is like that cue to this is going to be a lot, a, a lot about gambling. That line of going to the racetrack and watching is kind of the, the signal that this guy has a problem, yeah. right? Like that, this, that, that there's this there's degeneracy uh, happening here. Um, he then he proceeds to write a blank ch- uh, or bank check, um, and and meets his bookie in the garage. And the second after he hands over the check, uh, he asks about the day's lines. I mean, it's like seconds. Yeah, like right. the bookie is concerned about the check, and he's like, "What are, what are, what are today's lines?" Um, and bookie- it's that point where the bookie says, I, "I'm not taking your bets," right? Because yeah. he's concerned. He's actually concerned for uh, Mahoney at this point. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, I, I don't know if that's what's happening. I don't know if this is what's well, happening. Maybe there. he's, con- I'm sorry to cut you off. And I don't know if you were going to kind of say what I was saying. I don't know that he's necessarily c- concerned with Mahoney. He's concerned with how is, how am I going to get money from Mahoney if yeah. Mahoney loses? And yes. instead of sort of feeding into Mahoney's um, urges there, he, he cuts him off. So yeah, I'm, I, I'm not saying he's a, got a heart of gold. He's just <laughs> right. smart. Yeah. And I, I think I picked up on the sense that, that he was, con- you know, the more, the more Mahoney loses, the, the less probable it is that he's going to get his, that he's going to get paid. Exactly. Right. Um, and so I, I don't think, uh, you know, if he's down 10 dimes and he gets cut off, maybe eventually he gets paid that 10 dimes and he's got he has his customer back. If he's down 40, 40 stacks, Mahoney may just disappear and he never get paid. Like and now now he's out the the, the original 10 as well. Right. So, right. yeah. Right. And just and and again, we're throwing around some terminology here. We've already said dimes. A dime is a thousand dollars. So when we say 10 dimes. That's ten thousand dollars. Yeah, exactly. Yes um bogan painter pointing out that uh, he's never been able to finish the movie uh it's too painful to watch like uncut uncut gems uh truth be told i haven't seen uncut uncut gems yet um for this reason i have not found myself in it because i know that it builds a lot of anxiety and i have never been like you know what i'm in the mood for <laughs> yeah um, the, the films are similar in that yeah it, sometimes it's hard to watch uncut gems is uh i guess more violent is the best way to put it so you're constantly concern for his physical well-being in Mm -hmm. owning mahoney it's more like oh my gosh he's digging himself a hole he's never going to get out of he's ruining his life whereas with uncut gems it's like oh my gosh you know i'm i feel i'm scared something's going to happen to him you know physically it's um it the first time i saw owning mahoney it took me two sittings i had to i had to stop i believe it Yeah. yeah yeah Um, a little bit easier, the same way for like a scary movie is a little easier to get through the second, third time, obviously, because like right. you know how it goes. Um, but much like the only reason this past time I didn't like, I would have maybe even skipped some scenes. 
um much how, much how i like skip uh episodes of the office because they're like cringy to to watch but of <laughs> course i had to watch every scene to take notes right so yeah. uh yeah uh, exactly it's my job i'm here for the people yeah. um uh, I had just yeah, I had a line here. Pretty considerate bookie, to be honest. Uh, yeah, <laughs> pretty considerate. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So this is uh, we have never really brought this up. Um, I don't know how much you. I don't know if you, Doctor Mike, have ever talked about. Um, you know what it, what it's like to work with a bookie. I don't know if Eric and I ever brought it up, but I think it's worth mentioning, just in case there's any doubt that there's any confusion. When you work with a bookie, it's all on credits. Yeah, that's the big difference between yes. uh, bookies. Now, I'll, I'll be honest. I've never worked with a bookie, so I can't speak from experience. But that is a big part of it. You work on credit, whereas, you know, with these legitimate sports books that are coming out now, yeah, you've got to put up the money up front. Exactly. And if you ever hear I've actually kind of surprised at how many professional gamblers in the space I hear admit to this, but you will hear a gambler saying that they used credits or they put it on a like they found it with a credit uh, account. And they're talking that's what they're, they're talking about this type of situation where they are being offered uh, limits and al- lines with the idea that settlement will happen after the games are resolved. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so then uh, he flies down to uh, Philadelphia and goes over to Atlantic City. Uh, so th- again, this is in Toronto. He's crossing over into the States to go to Atlantic City. Uh, it's presumably Caesars because that's the property that the orig- that the guy this is about. Um, right, was- right. They never say it's Caesars, and it's obviously not a Caesars property that they right. filmed at or anything like that. But uh, yeah, in real life, it was Caesars, yeah. Yep. Um, and, uh, he ends up, he ends up trailing a man and a couple ladies who are being escorted into the property and welcomed into the high limit room. Um, and this is significant for, for a callback later. Um, right. He's actually stopped by security so that this high roller can walk by basically. Yeah, exactly. Um, Philip Seymour Hoffman uh, plays craps. He's laser focused on playing. He refuses a drink. He refuses any attention. Uh, he ends up playing, uh, ends up going to the blackjack table where he uh, ends up getting shut down at 6 a.m. And it was almost like um, what, I, what I thought was really interesting about that was, um, you know, he he's upset that he's being one is upset that he's being told he has to stop. Right. Be, and, mm-hmm. and because they're shutting down the table, they'll reopen at 10, I guess this is at a time when the casino, when casinos weren't 24 hours or that's correct. I'll talk about that in a second. Yeah. Yes. And it shows, and like he, he left work to go down here and do this. <laughs> this was, isn't like a weekend trip. This was like a, let me round down the AC and gamble now at six o'clock in the morning. And, um, you know, his, his, <laughs> His schedule's already messed up, right? He didn't figure out what to do for for four hours. What do you have on yeah. casino so, art? Yeah, this was in the early 80s. And at that time, uh, Atlantic City casinos were not 24 hours. On weekdays, they would close at 4 a.m. and open up again at 10 a.m. And on weekends, they would close at 6 a.m. and open up again at 10 a.m. So, yeah, it wasn't until the early 90s that they started... Uh, having 24-hour casinos on the weekends. And then uh, it was shortly after that that they made it 24 hours all the time. So, yeah, it's it's impossible to imagine these days that yeah. a casino would close for any amount of time other than, you know, what we've been through the last year, of course. Um, but, yeah, the casinos were not 24 hours initially in Atlantic City. 
Yeah. Um, Matt here uh, had read the book first. So the, there was a book that was written called Stung, I believe, um, yes. in, which, mm-hmm. in which the the movie was an adaptation of. Um, yeah, I, I have not read the book. Uh, I've actually heard I've, Matt here is the first person I've ever heard uh, say that they've read the book. So yeah, uh, good job, Matt, on uh, on on reading uh, reading before before the movie. Um, Copy of this movie would be much more effective at the casinos than the when when the fun stops brochures. You know what I hate That's about right. the when the fun stops brochures? Uh, the fun stops plenty of times. Doesn't mean I have a problem. It just means that uh, it just means that there's the seven out came, the seven came too quickly. That's right. right. It happens all night long. Yeah, the whole night is is fun stopping and starting again. <laughs> um, yes, the um, he's actually approached by uh, by a young woman, uh, and he's easily not interested. Um, and she's she's almost you can almost see the embarrassment that she's so quickly dismissed by this guy that she kind of saw as uh, as an easy mark um presumably to hustle him or maybe she maybe a a lady of the night but um she quick you know she you can almost see like a a bit of embarrassment because he's just not interested in her at all um he then ends up at a roulette table presumably this is like i mean I guess we assume that the four hours has gone by. Maybe he's just hung out there. I don't know who, if he's got a room or not, but he's at a roulette table and he just, he looks horrible. And then you can see, um, uh, you can see that he's clearly lost it all. He then makes it back to Toronto and his girlfriend asked him if he won and he responds, well, I came home with 500 and she seems like impressed by that. Uh, right. He actually has a chip, a $500 chip that either he forgot to cash out yep. or intentionally brought home. And I mean, you want to talk about a gambler's line. I think a lot of us have done that where yep. we don't want to say how much we've lost. So we just said, well, I, I came home with 500. Yeah, I've got 500 in my wallet. So not too bad. Yes. And uh, if, if <laughs> when you watch the movie, you, you know that he went in with about 15K, I think is what he started this trip with. So yeah. uh, you can do the math on how much he actually had. See if the better wife buys into that. She knows. She just probably assumes I'm lying all the time. I could be like, <laughs> I'm not 5,000. She'd be like, whatever, you're down a couple hundred. I know it. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah uh, I'm about even. That's about right. That's it. Yeah. yeah, about it. I came home about even. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> Yeah, that that's tough, huh? Yeah. Rough night. <laughs> um, I heard that you guys are about even on a year over there. It's uh, you. Oh my that. gosh, not good. Well, it's it's been okay for me. Uh, okay, but my co-host maybe not so much. I see. All right. Well, so he um, he decides that he's going to uh, play again, or he's going to get some action on uh, on a sporting event. He wants um, he wants North Carolina. This includes the scene. Uh, I don't know if Adam Chernoff brought this this scene up um, as sort of a a moment that I think that he thought gamblers could really resonate with. Um, this is uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman getting action on a North Carolina game. Yeah, I won thirty on North Carolina. Thirty, Dan, you're scaring me. Take it or leave it. What, you trying to clean me up? They really need this one, Frank. You got thirty grand? You gonna take my action or not? I want to take it, but I'm going to need a little something from you every Monday. And I don't mean Tuesday. I don't mean Wednesday. I mean Monday. Fine. 30 in North Carolina. Well, she's a nice girl. Belinda's known her as long as I've known you. Is she like Belinda? Uh, no. But hey, if you don't like her, you know, we'll just watch the game. Why? You got money on it? North Carolina, one and a half point thick. Right. So, uh... 
how does that work again? Thing is, I win if North Carolina wins by two points or more. Wow, Dan, you really go for it, eh? You know, we should get some serious plans sometime. Like what? Well, we've never been down to Atlantic City. Right. We should do that sometime. It's clubs, Dan. Dan, what's your problem? North Carolina have won, anyways. Give me one. Just one. Ah, shit. This is not good. Yes! Give me one. Just one. So <laughs> that crawling to the TV, uh, I think it, it, it's so. Um, I mean, I've never crawled to a television, but I think we've all had that quick movement to get closer to the source yeah. when all of a sudden there's this like one moment that is going to make or break winning this bet. Um, I thought uh, Adam was right. It's, it's, I think it's actually a pretty relatable uh, experience. I love that her, her, his girlfriend clearly knows what's going on, right? She knows that, 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 you know, even though he hasn't outwardly said to anybody other than his friend that he has action here, she quickly picks up on it. The second he, like, she notices that he's not paying attention to the, to the card game they're playing. Right. Um, I love the, the other woman who's like, what do you, what do you, who cares? North Carolina is going to win anyways. Oh, right. Yeah. Like she, and, and it definitely dates the, the setting a bit, right? Because, I think even I think today half this half the country legalizing sports betting it's now a part of every major sports broadcast to talk about lines and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that even if you're not a gambler you pick up on the fact that people have interest in games other than whether or not there's just winners and losers, right? And so yeah. um it's interesting to to even even just a couple of years into legalized sports betting be reminded of just how um, how unaware the average person was on on the different interests that that gamblers had in sporting events. Right. And uh, Mini Driver, who plays his girlfriend, who I've always liked. I think she's excellent here. I didn't actually recognize her at first because she had that blonde wig on and uh, I didn't tell. But she plays the character so sweetly, you know, kind of the suffering girlfriend at this point in the film. Uh, she doesn't know how bad things are, um, but... Uh, it's it's one of those uncomfortable scenes uh, in a, a lot of uncomfortable scenes in this movie. And this is one of them where, hey, we're supposed to be getting get together to have fun. This is a social event. And here you're ignoring us and you look like you look devastated. So yeah. what's going on? Yeah, I think I brought this up on, I think, my discussion with Drew Dinsick. I make it a point to not let what's happened in sports impact the way my emotion outward towards other people, especially my wife. Right. Like, <laughs> yeah. uh, and it's really easy to do that. Right. It's really easy to have a really, really crummy day of sports betting and not want to talk to people and just be in a shitty mood. But like, that's a really unfair to them. Right. It's yes, really unfair. Sure 
yeah so uh try hard to to do that the crawling on the floor scene i, I mean this is very much the better life right i mean like the, you know like <laughs> yeah. I, I i i don't want to associate again problem gambling with uh with a lot of the what we do but if there is unfortunately an intersection right and uh there, there is a you know on the venn diagram there is probably gambling does uh look a lot like something that stuff that we do um it's i mean what a bad beat <laughs> <laughs> sure. throws, right you needed one of two free throws from right north carolina was still a decent <laughs> team in the 80s right you know uh so yeah um too bad for that's a bad beat for him bad beats gonna be make espn's bad beat segment yeah um i don't I, i'm not gonna be able to call, uh recall how, every casino scene as we go in and out of them because as we mentioned there's a lot of gambling scenes here so i'm not gonna set up yeah. the, uh, the the context for each one of them um he uh oh here we go um he phil seymour hoffman buys in uh at uh, at a casino where he with about 100k that he skimmed off of a client's loan uh he's approached by a casino host first first time that he's been approached by a host so far and he's offered everything right they ask if he wants show tickets and etc uh no he just wants barbecue ribs uh with no sauce and a coke um and his friend uh is in the room and when they realize when they start offering this stuff to Philip Seymour Hoffman, they pull his friend out of the current room and put him in the suite. Um, Yeah. It's the friend that he was walking down in the the street in the previous episode who said, Hey, we should go to Atlantic city. Yeah, exactly. And it comes up, it it leads to this scene that I, that I think it's, it may be the hardest for me, for me to watch. All right. Hey, daddy. So yeah, forget the tables. You're not gonna want to keep playing when you see our room. Yeah, it's courtesy of the casino. Really? Yeah. Can you take these and hold on to them for me? Yeah. All right. Don't give them back, no matter what I say. Understand? Jesus. It's gonna be at least like forty grand. Forty grand. <laughs> That's the new system I'm working. Hey, you gonna take them or not? Yeah. Come back in an hour or two and I'll have some more for you. Okay? Sure. I'll see you later. Is that ribs no sauce? Mm Mm-hmm. He's still playing. I don't want him interrupted. Take them back. Mm Mm-hmm. And tell them to make some more. Mm -hmm. I want them on permanent standby. Is that understood? Dad, you told me not to, remember? Oh, I changed my mind. All right, you brought a curse to that table. You know that? Just give me my money and stay away from me. Come on, man. I can't let you do this. We're talking 40 grand. 40 here. grand of my money. Look, you got to calm down. You got to walk out of here now and think this right, through. For the last time, give me my money and stay away from me. So th- this scene is pro- maybe the hardest for me to watch because I've experienced a couple of things that uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman goes through there, right? So there's um, there's a like part of that resonates with me. The I'm working a system 
the uh you know early on before i knew anything about blackjack i thought there was a way to just craft the the, the way that i bet to like go work in my favor change right? your bets yeah uh-huh. exactly um the uh the concerned friend now i didn't nothing towards 40k nothing that's going to bankrupt me but you know when you're with someone who doesn't gamble, which kind of seems the situation here, even though the, the guy's willing to be at a casino, it's pretty clear he's not a gambler, right? right and I've been at a casino with a non-gambler who get like the first trip back to the ATM. They're like, what are you doing? You know, mm-hmm. it's like, you know, it, that's concerning for them. And as the, as the gambler, even like, you know, you want to respect that concern, but you also don't want to hear it, right? Like, I don't want anybody to check me right now. I just want to pull out a few more hundred and keep playing. Right. Um, I remember seeing a, a documentary on problem gambling. This was years ago. Oh, my gosh, 20, 30 years ago. And they were talking to a recovering uh, gambleholic. And uh, he told a very similar story where he said he was playing craps. His wife came by. He gave her a ton of money, said, here, take this. If I come and ask for it, don't give it to me. Same exact story. He lost. He went to his wife. She wouldn't give it to him. He physically threatened her. And, you know, for her safety, she ended up giving him the money. So a painful scene and something that has probably happened more than once to uh, people with gambling problems and those who know them. Yeah. It's... um at least I know if I ever, if I ever gave my wife money and I was like, don't if I came back to her, she'd be like, I'll kill you before I give you yeah, money. Like, I think, I think yeah. you and I have similar relationships with our wives. Yeah. Yeah. My wife, she would, she would let me play. But if, as soon as I handed her money, be like, that's profit. You just hold on to that. <laughs> she'd gouge my eyes out before she would give me the money back. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, Mike agreeing that that's a, yeah, it's, it's a painful scene. Uh, especially Philip Seymour Hoffman does such a great job of bringing hit uh mahoney's anxiety to that interaction with his friend you can hear the tremble in his voice that he's like nervous about want about doing it but is relentless right he's not going to not say take no for an answer and then his friend's response is is i can sympathize with that too because oh yeah absolutely we've all been we've we've been on that side as well even as gamblers we've been on that side where we've seen someone go a little go much further than we're comfortable with and it's you're hopeless. You don't know what yeah. to do, right? You, you know you're not going to be able to get away from the table. You also don't want to walk away. That seems, un, you know, seems like almost you're like leaving the problem, you know. So, right. uh, really well done uh, on that scene from uh, from the makers of this movie here. Um, he ends up playing blackjack uh, after he gets his money from. Uh, after he goes, by the way, in the beginning when he's like giving his money to his friend, I'm not announcing to the table that's 40k and then letting <laughs> yeah, my friend talk with the chips and walk away. <laughs> and then go sit in a slot somewhere. <laughs> right. If there was like uh, Mahoney makes it really clear to the casino host and stuff that he doesn't want to be followed around. He doesn't want. If there was ever a time to take advantage of some of the casino following someone around, like hey, don't follow me around, but follow my friend around. Someone follow him. Make sure that he's okay. <laughs> yeah. Um. His last ships pulled away. Um, now this, so this was a really great scene. I thought so. He loses. He loses that rest of that forty k of blackjack. He he has that moment that we've all had when you've lost a little bit more than you're comfortable with, and you just start like you start having this moment of panic, right? We're like, oh my goodness, what? Like he ends up walking into this like back room or not back room, like a back like hallway, like a. Uh, like a like, like a, a stairwell or something. Yeah, like yeah a stairwell, exactly. behind the scenes. Yeah, mm-hmm. and there's there's uh, someone who clearly works in a the kitchen there eating ribs, 
and he's and he offers uh philip seymour hoffman a, a rib and he's like they're great but they got no sauce and philip seymour hoffman picks up on the fact that they've just been holding on to these ribs this whole time right yeah uh, because mm-hmm. as he saw that the guy the, the when the casino host was like keep them ready but never never deliver them while he's while he's uh and so i imagine as they made a new bunch they just were giving away these ribs yep. to, the, to the employees yep and he figured it out yep yeah um by the way uh uh where do you go where you at mississippi rob i know oh yeah uh getting some ribs no sauce this weekend in biloxi i don't know if mississippi is known for its ribs i'm probably gonna go more seafood in, in biloxi um but i am looking forward to uh to going down there i'll send you a thinking of you card um <laughs> mark while, while i'm you. down there Thanks. yes <laughs> um uh he's uh for so for these net for these next several scenes you could really feel philip seymour hoffman's anguish right like as he's like moving up as he goes back to the room as he's like as he's like traveling back to toronto man like the anguish of losing all that money like it sits on his face if they do such a good job of keeping it uh from scene to scene showing that like it just drags out right um uh he's on the phone uh, he ends up he, so he's back in Toronto. He wants to get some action. He's on the phone and takes all the home teams in the National League and all the away teams in the American League for a thousand a game. I don't just know, to get action, just, just to, get to get action. action. Yep. Right? That's yeah. There, there. That's another sign that he's really got a problem. He's not even really thinking about it. Yep. Yep. Um, next casino trip. Uh, he's not baited by show tickets again. He only asked for his ribs. Um, a nice young woman joins his room, takes off her top and he, or takes off her coat. She's topless. He picks up her coat and tells her to leave. Like he picks it up, offers to put it back on her. Uh, he only wants to gamble and the casino hosts are relishing over just how low maintenance this high roller degenerate is. Yeah. Um, the next booking interaction, it's in a dry cleaner of all places. Uh, <laughs> it's very 1980s booking, right? Uh, once he wants all the home teams in football and, and when, when offered to CFL says yes, and he wants all the underdogs, the logic there, I'm not quite sure. Um, <laughs> and then he also wants the one horse and every race at both tracks. Um, right, right. And when he's, um, when the original bookie is on the phone, you start hearing them. The 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 law enforcement starting to get involved here. The book they're they're, they're taping uh, the original bookie on the phone, and the bookie says, "I don't like it when he makes stupid bets. It's disrespectful to my business." Yeah, great. Another great line. Yep. Yeah, and it kind of gives a little glimpse onto why the bookie might be you know hesitant to take some of the action, as he finds it just more reckless than anything. Um, he, and then he, they just sort of admit that he wants to win, so he has money to keep losing, right? Yeah, and, that's another great line. That's the only reason he wants to win is so that he has enough money to keep losing. Yes. Yep. Um, you know, there's a really great monologue, and we'll get to this movie eventually, but there's a really great monologue in Two for the Money um, uh, where, oh, help me, uh, Pacino uh, goes on about, the the feeling of losing and how that's what degenerates are addicted to is because mm-hmm. the feeling of losing is a much much more uh like the, the the feeling is much greater as in like the the stress of it than it than winning is and you know and it's really great yeah. work, so yeah um more more problem gambling to talk in our future um great yeah great uh he's in vegas now he, he ends up going to Ve- his, his he offers his girlfriend a trip to vegas they go the casino hosts and ac are jealous 
Uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman plays all night, leading his girlfriend in the room. Uh, he's up one million to the delights uh, of the uh, uh, Atlantic City host because they're pissed that he's uh, that he's <laughs> in Vegas and not Atlantic City. So they're excited yeah. to hear that he is beating Vegas. His girlfriend wanders downstairs uh, from the room to find him at the craps table. And Philip Seymour Hoffman pleads for just a couple more minutes. Now, for a lot of us, we would be in trouble because we left our significant other in the room. And that's why a couple more minutes wouldn't be tolerable. But you can tell with the look of concern on her face, she knows a couple more minutes means I can't stop. And I thought that she did a really great job of showing concern rather than like concern and disappointment rather than anger. Right. Because I think that in any other scenario, we would just expect the significant other to be just angry that they were, um, sort of left alone, right, in a band. Right, and th- th- that's what I was saying earlier about this character, is that it- it's a sweet character. Yep. Yeah, she sure, she gets angry, but she's more concerned and wants to help and really loves him and has empathy for him and realizes he has a problem and sticks with him. Whereas, you know, plenty of characters wouldn't, so. Yeah, exactly. Um, the security guard even pulls her away from the table and says, please don't disturb the players, yeah. which I know that Philip Seymour Hoffman's character is not doing anything. If my wife comes to the table and, a sec- and anybody pulls her away to like, like if even if another player is like, he's on a roll, I'd be like, what the fuck are you doing? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> She's with me. Yeah. I will <laughs> yell the number seven as I roll this. <laughs> the fuck all of you. If you yeah. think that, you, yeah. Um, yeah. I thought that was, uh, yeah, that was interesting. Um, I, I also, I, I actually, in my notes here, I said maybe the hardest scene to watch um, because of that moment where like, she's clearly concerned about his health in gambling. He clearly picks up on it and can't let it go right like you can tell that he's kind of fighting it but still says i just need a couple more minutes um yeah another another tough scene but uh, i don't have that clip so i won't make everybody live through it um (laughs) and as she as she's leaving vegas she leaves she just bails on vegas on her own yeah on her own the guy next door on the flight says don't worry honey everyone loses in vegas yeah another good Uh, line i wrote that down too yep Mm -hmm. yeah (laughs) They're back in Toronto. Finally, the girlfriend confronts him about uh, his gambling problem and he refuses. He refuses to admit it. He admits that he is a financial problem. Well, that, 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 yeah, that, that is something that he says twice in the movie and is, is so important. He says, I don't have a gambling problem. I have a financial problem. Yeah. He says that more than once and he says it to her. And boy, that's a powerful statement, right? You know, he's fooling himself. He's, you know, all I need to do is win this X amount of money and then my financial problems are over. Yeah. That's all I'm doing. Right. Um, <laughs> uh, I mean, how many of us have been like, well, look, have I, I just like, I just need a, I just need a one more good session and I'll be even for the trip. Right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah I'll be even. That's what I hope. That's right. Yeah. When he's, when, when they're again, they're back in Toronto and she's confronting him. It's another, you know, kind of heart wrenching scene because she wants to help. And so she says, I've got some savings put away. You know, I can scrounge together maybe, maybe $8,000. Would that help you out? And he doesn't say one way or the other because, but we as an audience, we know that's not even close to yeah. helping. Right. right. And she also was saying, you know, when I heard we were going to Las Vegas, 
you know, why do people go to Vegas? And we're all thinking, oh, to gamble. But she was thinking that he was going to propose and that they were going to get married. So that's another huge letdown for her. Yeah. Uh, Tim Kennedy pointing out that, uh, yeah, all you see is some palm trees, not enough to really show. No, nothing tells you that they are, in fact, in Vegas other than the word Vegas. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, to circumvent international wiring. Uh, and this is this is a, this is part of the real story. This is not something that they this was something that Brian Maloney did to circumvent international wiring between uh, Dan or the main character in Toronto and the Atlantic City casinos. They actually um, there was a Vegas there was a corporation associated with a Vegas casino that of course had a couple you know like Caesars had uh, properties uh, different places. That, I can't remember the name of it, but it was it, the whole existence was so that way people could wire money into this account and then it could easily be taken out in Vegas without being considered an international wire transfer. Right, right, right. Uh, and that's they do it in the movie, and it's it, it's it's from the the situation um, that 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 the real character, the real person, uh, actually was a part of. Yeah. Um, He's back in Atlantic City. Last casino scene, he walks in. That opening, that opening bit where he's walking in, um, uh, protected by security. People are stopping him. That's exactly what the opening, the first casino scene looked like, where he gets stopped because right, another a high roller back. comes in. Yep, that's yeah, that's the callback yeah. there. Um, he sits down. He's playing baccarat, and they're letting him deal it himself. I mean, that's sure. that's how much they are bought into this guy just losing money. Go ahead and deal yourself some Baccarat. Um, and he ends up winning enough at toward at the end of the shoe. He's busted the table. Um, he ends up going on beyond this to, uh, to, uh, go play craps and they're starting to get a little nervous. The, the casino is because he's up 9 million. Um, I guess everybody except his main casino host is getting nervous. His main casino host knows that he's just going to run this into the ground, no matter how high he can go to the moon. He's going to just run this into the ground. Right um sure enough uh he starts losing and uh he moves on to blackjack where it it shows that he does lose the rest of his bankroll you don't see anything else left in, in front of him um and as he leaves the casino they give him a to-go order of ribs and a coke yeah the only thing uh so this i mean we, we know this is a true story like you know you you knew what happened at the end of titanic you should know what happens at the end of uh at the end of this movie um so when he's eventually caught his you know his girlfriend supports him and acknowledges that he needs support which is which i thought was huge i thought i i think it was great that they included this type of character in this story um he admits uh to his therapist at the end that the thrill of gambling from one to a hundred is one hundred and that outside of gambling, the highest thrill he'd ever gotten in his life was a 20, um, which I thought was a really nice sort of little bow on the end of if you're watching this and you've never been around gamblers and don't can't quite fathom why someone would behave like this. I thought it was a really great way of being like, if you didn't get what all that meant, like why someone would do all that, there's why. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Let's move on to um <laughs> well here. Let me let oh, yeah. me uh, else for so, yeah, I've got some kind of general notes here that I want to talk oh, about. Please. First of all, John Hurt, who played the casino boss, the casino host, he, always good. He plays the character so slimy, and you could kind of see it there when he was saying, you know, it's a pleasure to see, you know, it's just this fake, you know, welcome. We you know, we we respect you so much coming here. And at one point, when he they've actually sent the prostitute to his room, right? And he's turned her down. 
uh, Foss, that's uh, John Hurt's character's name. He says, no sex, no booze, no drugs. Our little roller is a purist. He's a goddamn thoroughbred. All he cares about is the next hand. He's a beauty. He's a beauty. I love him. I love him, the Iceman. Uh, and, it, you know, that that is the character, right? That's one thing they were trying to make emphasize the character. He just wants to play, right? Everything else is a distraction. He's there specifically to play. Um, I wanted to talk about a couple of the, the crap scenes here. It's kind of interesting because early on, there is a scene where it's 11 frontline winner and everything on the lookout uh, on the layout looks fine. But then the dealer picks up the button to move it to a point. Mm, good catch. It, I, I did see that. Now I, then I went back good and thought, catch. well, sometimes I see dealers do that. They assume oh. it's not going to be a natural and they pick up the puck prematurely okay. to move it, then realize it's a natural and put it back. So, all right, I'll cut him some slack there, but I don't know if you notice this later. This was weird. That was the final crap scene. So often it was the come out role. It was being announced. And they kept saying, we're looking for an eight. I don't know mm. if you caught that, but it kept happening over and over. All right, we're coming out, coming out, looking for an eight. What? He he had all his money on the pass line. It just kept happening so much. And I'm not sure why. You know, I do yeah. remember them saying that. I didn't realize, I, I what I didn't catch was the coming out part. I do remember yeah. them saying, but that's a good point. Yeah, they do. They do announce that it's the come the come out, and then that they also want an eight. Yeah. So you know, know those little things. Yeah. So I ahead. think what that might have been. I do know that the very beginning of that scene, he does roll an eight to set the point and gets it right back. Yes. And I, right. I wonder if the actors that were at the table just were hung on to that number eight because that's what starts the scene. It could. Um, be. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely could be. Um, uh, a couple other things. Um, <laughs> Foss, Judge uh, John Hurt, at one point, they, he's in his office and he's just trying to solve his, the Rubik's Cube. That's all he's doing. It's an interesting thing that they threw in there. That was a big thing in the early 80s, right? The Rubik's Cube. That was the height of people doing the Rubik's Cube. And it reminded me of a scene in Fast Times at Ridgemont High, which came out during that period, the early 80s where Mr. Vargas, the science teacher, is trying to figure out the Rubik's Cube and doesn't notice that all the kids in the class are copying off each other and, you know, trying to cheat. Anyway, that's just, <laughs> I don't know if that's a throwback, but it just, it caught my eye. Um, I want to talk about Seymour, uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman for a little bit. He is so good in this movie at making faces that betray his vocal tone. So mm. he'll have a face that is just completely depressed and withdrawn. And, but at the same time, he's like, Oh yeah, I think everything's going okay. You know, that yeah. it's, it's kind of that thing where, Oh no, everything's going to be fine. But then you look at his face and it's just, Oh my gosh, nothing's going to be fine. Right. And yeah. it's that contrast there. Um, and then I guess the last thing I'll say, you know, yeah, if you've got a problem, 1-800-GAMBLER, I think almost in, in most places, uh, Gamblers Anonymous, you can call, you can talk to a counselor, and doggone it, Philip Seymour Hoffman, don't do heroin. I know that seems like a silly thing to have to bring up, but there's a talent that was really taken too easily. He obviously had his own demons, and so that's the that's the most depressing thing I'll say. If you want to follow up with that, whenever you're ready to move on to pool hall junkies, I'm ready. <laughs> I, I do want to say um, I'm 
now that we've, you know, I brought this up, I think a few episodes ago, I talked about how this community should be supporting each other. What it doesn't have to be problem gambling, it can be uncomfortable loss gambling, right? And if, if we see that someone is teetering on that edge, we should be willing to talk to each other, right? Support each other. And that can also be I think no one in this community should feel ashamed if they if if we're at a meetup or anything to say nope I've lost enough I'm not I don't think I'm I'm going to gamble anymore. There's, oh for sure. Yeah. You know I, I think that there does come a little bit when you're in those social environments. We're there to gamble, right? We're there to gamble as a group. And if maybe you've been gambling on your own or you just don't have that much of a bankroll, I feel I'm sure people can feel pressured to play maybe when they when they don't yeah. care to because other people are. Oh, now's my time. Now I get the opportunity to play crafts with Tim and Mark and Mike. Right. Let me there's no there's no shame in being like, nope, I've had my fair share. or Nope, I'm, I'm down a little too much. I'm going to take a break. No one's going to judge you because all of us should be doing that same thing in that circumstance. Yeah, I agree with you. And on kind of the flip side, none of us should pressure anybody to make bets that maybe, you know, they shouldn't be doing. I know we always rib each other. You know how it gets when we're at the table. We've had a few drinks, but I guess that's something to keep in mind too, that we shouldn't be pressuring others to gamble when maybe the best thing for them to do is stop. Yep. Yep. Uh, all right. Very good. Uh, Cousin Joey Curious, uh, if he was nominated for best screenplay, uh, I think the only accolades it got was on the um, film festival circuit. I yeah, think I'm not. I'm, yeah. I'm not sure about awards, but uh, you know, I've got the wiki page up here. But it it definitely was very well received. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. Probably my third favorite character that he's done. That's just off the top of my head without putting too much thought into that. Um, I think Capote, even though it's a tough watch because it's very slow and diff- yeah, right. and I think I mean he's so good in that character. Yeah. Um, yeah, well, you can it, see how versatile he is. We, you know, when we were talking about Hard Eight recently, look at that character yeah. compared to Mahoney. Those yeah. are two completely different people. Yeah, it's amazing. You're right. Yeah. Addiction sucks. I'm gonna say that. Yep, sure does. Addiction, I mean, rest in peace, DMX. That yeah. that got me. I was I was I was kind of a wreck for a day. Um, I was listening, and you know, I'm not a, a big. I, I'm kind of too old to have caught on to you know rap, which was kind of the '90s and everything. But I was listening to DMX today. You know, he's getting a lot more airplay, and I try to yeah. keep up on what's on the Billboard charts. So, yeah, it really is a shame. Yeah. All right, we're gonna we're gonna we're, we're gonna drag ourselves out of the the d- depression and dumps here. Yay. Yay. Uh, let's move on to now. Owning Mahoney is a movie that I will call a great movie, right? It is Agreed. a movie. Yeah, like I it, I think it's a great movie. Yes. Pool Hall Junkies, I think is a good movie. It's not it's one that I recommend to people just because I like it, but it does it didn't get it, as much as I think it's a good movie, the normal re, the reception that it got and a lot of like through the reviews that it gets does not make it seem like it's actually a good movie. Um it has very uh like pedestrian reviews really of yeah. just like yeah it's a movie I, right. and i understand that but you know at the same time it's an independent film the guy who who uh, mars callahan who's the stop basically the star of the movie he wrote it uh independent film there's a lot of cliche in it but it's it's a lot of fun too you know it is a fun movie second time i've seen it i enjoyed it i think more the second time yeah but yeah i mean we sh- that is a good preface but you know going into this is this is not a great movie but uh, it's it's fun. And, you know, if you can kind of look past 
maybe you know not the greatest acting and a lot of cliches um there's a lot going for it's got a lot going for it now unfortunately Ma- mars callahan is nowhere on the internet there is like <laughs> yeah. he doesn't have a website doesn't have any social media he has nothing I was I was hoping that Mars Callahan would be just small enough to possibly right. get, you know, um, <laughs> and then he was nowhere yeah. on the Internet. Um, but mm-hmm. I have watched Mars Callahan interviews in the past. And of course, what is he being interviewed for? Pool Hall Junkies. Yeah. Um, and uh, I got a few things that I, I'm gonna, I'll, I'll um, uh, a few facts I'll provide. The first one being when he he knew that he wanted Christopher Walken for the, for the, um, the uncle that's played, um, uh, his girlfriend's uncle. Right. Um, and he finally found his opportunity to get Christopher Walken, the, um, the script. And I guess Walken called him back and only had one request on a change of script. Like had like, Hey, I love this. I'm interested Maybe like on page 78, where I say, and it's like, it was like a happy to glad change too, right? It was just like this little, Uh (laughs) and Mars was just like, I knew we had him the second, like when he called back and was like, I'm interested. And I have one, he's like, Christopher Walken wants to do your movie and only has one request to change to it to all of his dialogue. Yeah, we'll we'll do that. Uh Yeah, I'll take it. (laughs) Take it. Um, so it opens with the main character as a kid uh, who's who's up against uh, an OG hustler, uh, a pool hustler, that is uh, the kid. And he's talking, uh, talking to this guy about how a he kid, wants like to a put- teenager, not like a little kid, but like right. a, a teenager. Right. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's like a yeah, he's a teenager. Talk about how uh, he wants to go pro. He's looking. He thinks he might get a, a tournament invite and his handler, uh, the guy, his backer um, takes him away from the game tells him to to you know don't don't fill your head with that nonsense the very next scene shows uh mars callan character johnny uh shows johnny as an adult now and he's in a pool hall playing and he ends up learning that his handler has been keeping him from professional uh opportunities but he ends up uh going on a sort of a, a monologue um with the, with the guy that he's about to play, he's sort of instigating. There we go. He's like going on this, on this monologue where he's like instigating the guy he's he's uh, he's going to play in, in pool. And finally, they end up playing and uh, Johnny scratches intentionally, throws the game. Mm-hmm. Um, and the guy that he's playing quickly backs him up and is like, I, I knew, you know, like I was picking up on what Johnny was doing. And Johnny gets mad at his handler and tells, you know, I was just a kid. You should be looking out. This is how the movie starts. The right. Essentially, the movie starts on him betraying his uh, his backer when he realizes maybe he didn't have his best interests. Um, and that's where and the movie kind of goes uh, from there. Right. Um, yes. And, you know, let me let me let me talk about. But, but so before Joe, his handler realizes that Johnny is going to betray him. There's a great line. Uh, he's talking to Johnny in the bathroom. He says, Beating a man out of his money, that's easy. Anybody can do that. But beating a man out of his money and making him like it, that's an art. Yeah. And boy, does that apply, I'm sure, to pool, but poker. Boy, yeah. that is a poker thing. And uh, anybody who knows Daniel Negreanu, that's kind of his style in a way. He's very likable. You know, yeah. you want to be at the table, but he's taking your money. That is so important in poker. Um, that line really stuck out to me. Yeah, it's a good one. Really good lines in these. Both of these movies have really yeah. great uh, little uh, quotable yeah. lines. 
Um, so there's there's pool hall scenes throughout this entire movie. I'm not going to set the setting for each one of them or what uh, I'm not going to point out because it's all sort of rinse and repeat of yeah. different stakes, different types of betting. Um, but it's pretty standard throughout the movie. I got a couple that'll point out the rest of them. I'm not going to go. Uh, I'm not going to pick up on each one. Um, his when he when he returns to playing pool again. Um, so he kind of he kind of lets go of playing pool for a while. He picks it up again, and his girlfriend finds uh, his bankroll um, and is concerned that he's playing again. And it reminded me a lot of when Matt Damon's girlfriend in mm, yeah. uh, Rounders was concerned that he was playing poker again. And it was it was very same dynamic, right? Where girlfriend's concerned that this advantage player gambler is doing what they enjoy and both because they don't understand it and because they don't like how much time they're being taken away from, from them. Right. Um, I thought that was an interesting parallel there. Yeah. You know, I guess that's kind of a running theme through these gambling movies too, especially when maybe there's problem gambling, but there's always, you know, the girlfriend, you know, usually it's a male protagonist, right. And the girlfriend who loves him, but is struggling with either he's got a problem or doesn't understand what he does or yeah, that's, that's a common theme. (laughs) This is one of, I mean, that's one of the reasons why I often bring up family in my interviews with with gamblers because it's, you know, if people are willing to talk about it now, I it I've actually been kind of surprised. Who knows if there's if there's stories that aren't being told? I'm sure there are, um, but you know, most of the people I've had on the show say that their families understand or you know mm-hmm. their families are okay with it. But um, I mean, that's why I asked that question is because you know they're our time at the table is time not spent with our family, right. you know? Um, yeah. and it's, it's worth, uh, we're talking about, um, Vito's up in, don't talk about my wife that way. I'm not even quite sure what that's, uh, referring to, but it's, it's all uh, our wives. Yeah. All our wives. Yeah. <laughs> but hello. Uh, hello cousin Vito. Good to see you. Um, so he meets, so he ends up bringing his, uh, his, his brother to a poker or uh, to a, um, a pool tournament. And he he meets a couple of pros and they end up sharing some stories. Uh, one pro talks the story about how he like beats someone using a, a putter right instead of a, a pool cue. Right. And the pros invite Johnny upstairs for a game and they end up setting him up um, to be a decoy and a hustle. Um, one of the pros talks to some amateur like and, you know, the amateurs like, how about we play doubles? The guy looks over, sees Johnny, and he's like, yeah, let me see if he has any money. The pro walks up to Johnny, um, and Johnny gets excited. He asks if he could borrow a cue, and the pros kind of like look at each other, and they're like, I thought you knew this move. We're setting him up for for mm-hmm. red. Mm-hmm. And Johnny's very hurt by this, right? Um and I, you know, his, his, you know, he, he's embarrassed, probably not all one, cause he's not picking up on, on this and he admires these guys and he's kind of being dismissed as maybe not the better player of the two. Right. Right. Um, and I think that's, uh, that's a lot, or that's, you know, um, humbling for him as well. Yeah. And you know, if we haven't already mentioned it, so much of this film is about pool hustling. Yes. Uh, you know, it, it 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 permeates the entire movie, even to the point where at the end, Johnny is wearing a T-shirt that actually says Hustler on it. Uh, you have to, you know, pound it home. It's the it's the Hustler magazine logo. But, you know, uh, so, yeah, that's that's basically most of the conflict uh, in the pool room is the hustles are going on. Yeah. You know, nobody knows whether they're doing the hustling or they're being hustled. Yeah. Uh, 
you know, happy 420. Yes, happy 420 to my to everybody who part who partakes. He so he's at a girlfriend. He's at, he's at his uh, a work party for his girlfriend's work. Uh, and by the way, I'm really glad that you brought that up because this is probably the this is this movie out of all the movies we'll talk about is probably the least actually about gambling that has a good amount of gambling in it right there's no casinos yeah. here there's no vegas there's no you're like i said it's it's more about hustling and sort of uh and we'll get to some of the hustles but like there's a gambling aspect to it right built into hustling and stuff like that which makes it uh makes it appropriate but yeah it's this um uh yeah thank you for bringing that up sure yeah. um a girlfriend, so his girlfriend's work party. He ends up going upstairs to play pool with Christopher. We, we, we meet Christopher Watkins' character, um, and he goes upstairs to play with Christopher Watkins' colleagues and friends for some pool. They team up for doubles eight ball, uh, and they seem to be doing well uh, until Christopher Walken is uh, faced with a uh, pretty tough shot. This one's for all the marbles, boys. Maybe if I just... Huh? <laughs> I guess even a blind squirrel can find a nut every once in a while. What are you trying to say, Phil? I'm not trying to say anything. I'm just saying that shot was luck. You could make that shot again in a million years. I don't have to make it again in a million years. I made it just now. I'm saying it was luck. Nobody can make that shot. It's impossible. I can. <laughs> What's that? <laughs> Set him up, I'll make it. <laughs> <laughs> I'll even make it one-handed. Oh. Oh, did I stutter? Everybody got all quiet and shit? About a minute ago, it was like an Elks Lodge meeting up in this motherfucker. Now, all of a sudden, it's quiet as a church. Hey, Mike. Who is this guy? You're, um, you're not serious, are you? Of course I'm serious. What's it worth to you? You're down quite a bit right now, Phil. I'd be careful if I were you. <laughs> One hand? Uh-huh. All right, I'm... I'll bet you anything you want. Anything. All right. You have a young paralegal that works for you. She's about to take the bar. Now, even though I'm sure she's great at what she does, I think she's gonna make an even better lawyer. I say this, if I make that shot, you gotta give her a job as a lawyer in your firm. One year, no special treatment, just a job and a chance to prove herself. That's ridiculous. We scout the top law school graduates from all over the country for that job. It starts at six figures plus benefits. Tell me, what the hell are you going to put up against that if you miss? Phil, how about Wendell Benz? It's got a can't get lost system. It's beautiful. Phil, I know you want it. You can own it. You got balls, kid. Set it up. Thanks. 
every pool player uh, who's ever seen that movie has set that shot up to see if they can make it. Um, <laughs> and I wonder how many times he had to actually set it up when they were filming before he made it. I, I'm guessing maybe a couple, especially one-handed. <laughs> so I don't know how many times it took him, but he did mention uh, in some commentary that Christopher Walken made his shot on the first take. Oh, fantastic. Yeah, that's great. Um, something they said that was really important to them in this movie was um, whether or not you see the character take the shot. It was important for them to see the shot in its entirety and not what you typically see, which is shot taken, cut to shot made. Sure. Yeah, right? I yeah, I agree. Yeah, that yeah. is important. Yep. Yep. And they, they, they do a good job of that in, uh, in this movie. So I, I, want, I play that entire clip uh, because I thought that the wagering... Um, uh, discussion was really interesting, right? Because mm-hmm. he, and I, I love that he proposes this wager and the character's like, well, that's a million dollar. Like, you're not just talking about giving someone a job, right? Like you're talking right. about millions of dollars in benefits and all this. And I love that they point that out and they just don't do some flimsy, like, uh, if I win, you got to give my girlfriend a job. All right, you're right. up. You're on. Like, I love right. that they, that they, they were practical about it. And yeah, the only thing, you know, like they had to find something that this guy coveted and something we know about lawyers is they they they're a competitive bunch um, amongst each other. So winning a colleague uh, colleague's car, even though he probably can afford that car on his own. Right. right yeah. Right. That was enough. Right. Yeah. Let me get his car. Right. And that was an and, you know, that satisfies the and I think I just thought they did a really good job of 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 being practical about that bet and choose in really making it un, like believable that he would accept that bet. Right. Because right. Well, he, yeah, he, what would, yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, exactly. Um, so he, um, so Johnny, tr- <laughs> so, uh, you know, there's a bunch of pool scenes, um, <laughs> different pool hall scenes. Uh, Johnny tries to get a new job um, and uh, he's trying to get a job uh, at a, I think it's a mobile or an RV uh, on his RV salesman. And he runs this hustle uh, saying, I know where you got your shoes. And it's such a dumb hustle, but it makes me chuckle yeah. each time. Mm-hmm. Uh, where he bets this guy he can he can guess where he got his shoes and the guy's like why well, bought him in international waters you're wrong no matter what you guess and he's like I didn't say where you where you buy it where you bought him I said where you got him and you got him on your feet it's such a dumb hustle but it makes me uh, <laughs> makes me chuckle every time I, I see it yeah um one of Johnny's brothers uh decides that he's uh gonna take <laughs> or one of his one of Johnny's brother's friends decide that he's gonna take the money that his family has saved up for him to go to college and take it on the road and uses his bankroll uh uh, to play pool um and as he goes uh, his his friends make a bet and he gets uh one uh one friend offers the other three to one that uh that he actually um uh makes it back uh with money um which i yeah. thought was which i thought was funny yeah. but yeah they, yep. they should be showing concern about his decisions and instead I they're, said they're making on. a wager on it yep yeah, <laughs> yeah. um uh one of the pool, one of the uh, hustles that we see here, uh, four balls off the table, uh, which is a hustle where in in eight ball you offer to take, you offer to let your opponent take balls off the table initially, making them feel like they're getting an advantage. But really, what you're doing is you're making the table more open. And if you're good at pool, you can more easily make your uh, right. your shots when there's less balls on the table, right? So right. you think they think you're getting a four ball lead when really, you know, you're just there's no reason why you know if you're good at pool you can you can make up that gap quickly um 
so that's one hustle we see. Um, and then we see the, so- the, the play soft and come hard hustle, which of course, which is the most, which is the, the, the most, the, the easiest hustle to run in any sort sure. of competitive match. You right. underperform until your, until your opponent feels like they have an edge and then you bet larger stakes and then you overperform to, to beat them. Right. Um, uh, we see that one. Um, one guy says, uh, "This is just in a, um, <laughs> this is just in a, in, in a, in a back and forth, uh, or not in a back and forth. This is in a um, when Johnny's brother gets in trouble, uh, his friend tells Johnny he crapped out firing an air, an air barrel, uh, air barrel meaning that he made a wager that he didn't that he didn't have the cash for. But I I kind of rolled my eyes at the crapped out, uh, like the 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 phrase crapping out or crap out, like it. it um, can we can we fix that?" Well, okay, uh, all right, but at least they weren't talking about craps. We no, get angry. Fair. We that's get angry fair. because it, it's seven out, right? When, right? And they they call it crapped out when it's really a seven out. But you know, if it really was, you had a big mu- mu- uh, bet on the pass line, and you rolled craps. Well, you crapped out. So I'll yeah. give them that since they're not talking about craps. <laughs> um, Taylor bringing up that uh, Marsh Callahan uh, cashed ninety fourth in the World Series of Poker Man event in two thousand eleven. That's uh that doesn't huh. surprise me because um the last thing I could find on Mars Callahan's resume was that he was working on a poker movie a long time ago wow. probably around the, okay. probably like he probably got inspired by winning right, or by get, by placing 94th and like <laughs> yeah. movie on this. <laughs> um so we get to the we get to the the scene at the end um which is uh which is just a fantastic scene. Um Johnny um uh plays um a pro now that has um that is aligned with his former backer um who's been the one who's been who's been hustling uh, in the past couple scenes has been hustling Johnny's brother Johnny's brother's friends um and um this this has one of my favorite uh Christopher Walken moments uh and a very fun uh end hustle so let's uh let's get my let's get the Christopher Walken scene okay fuck this back and forth bullshit it's a big waste of time you want to put it all up Mr. Backerman huh come on last set shoot it all race to nine for 80,000 I'm betting this big time action brings out the dog in your boy over there Did I, did, I, did I just stutter or something? Did I just stutter? A few minutes ago, it was like a pool hole in this motherfucker. Now it's as quiet as a church. Is this your first time in a pool hole, Mr. Beckerman? Is that it? Your clothes getting a little mashed? Let me tell you something. When you walk out of here, you'll have the smell of this place on your skin for a week. Every time you put on that suit, you will think of me taking your money. Because I'm the only one in this room who knows how fast your boy could run over there. You want to know why? Because I bred him. How the fuck does that make you feel? To be in that position with all your money on the table. How much you got, Joe? What? Total. You put down 80000 like it didn't matter. That's a lot of money for somebody like you and him. I think it matters. <laughs> What's the difference? I'm a millionaire. That's the difference. I lose 80, I get another 80. For me, it doesn't matter. See, I think it's you who's sweating this. The both of us. People in pool rooms don't come across this kind of take but once in a lifetime. And now you're going to put it all on the line against John because you think he's going to choke? I don't think so. I think he's going to choke. You want to shoot it all? Let's shoot it all. 
How much you got in your pocket? I got a couple of thousand. Yo. Five hundred. What about your ring? What? How much for your ring? You want my ring? You said it, Joe. Shoot it all. What's it worth to you? I paid twenty-eight hundred for it. Three thousand covered. I'm gonna leave you with nothing. Nick, make sure, please. It's all there. I'm gonna have a drink. You want to have a drink? Uh, someone asked me. Um, uh, asked me. There's a scene where Christopher Walken goes into the bathroom, uh, like uh, where Johnny is like wash, like freshening up, and he gives him this monologue on like the lion being torn, like uh, like in. He asked me which which monologue I liked the like more. I like the millionaire monologue just slightly more because uh, it's very. Uh, I just think I think Christopher Walken has delivered it so well. Yeah, like, yeah I'm yeah, a millionaire. It's, it's, it's pure Christopher Walken. Yeah, that yeah. that is a great line. Him saying it. Yeah, it doesn't matter to me. So what? Let's play. Yeah, that is great. I want to say a couple things too uh, about that scene since uh, you saw some characters there. Just to mention, so the pro, the pro pool player there is played by Rick Schroeder, yeah. and. Uh, he, he has kind of a reputation now for playing kind of tough characters, but really he got his start as a child actor in the 1980s on a show called Silver Spoons, which was oh. a real family oriented show. And he went by Ricky Schroeder at the time. Yeah. And when he was kind of becoming more of an adult actor, a lot of people thought, oh, there's no way he's going to be able to play tough people because he was just this cute kid in the 80s. And then he got a role on uh, NYPD Blue, which was, you know, kind of a gritty cop drama. So it's interesting because, again, you know, I grew up where he was just this cute little kid. And Ricky Schroeder, that's what we call him, Ricky Schroeder, Ricky Schroeder. He was a childhood actor. The other thing is that was Rod Steiger that you saw just briefly there playing Nick uh, behind the counter. This was Rod Steiger's last movie. And, oh, my gosh, you know, talk about a movie star. He was known for On the Waterfront and In the Heat of the Night uh, it, it, that was quite a get too. You know, it's something to get Christopher Walken, but even getting Rod Steiger uh, for this movie was uh, huge for Callahan. So, just wanted to bring those up too. Yep. Um, at the end of the at the end of the DVD, it says in loving memory uh, to him, and so he at least died before the movie was released. A DVD. I think he may have passed before the movie was. Released I think it was the entirely. same same year. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. yeah. Um, Okay, and then it leads us to uh, the final, the final end. Uh, like they, 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 it goes to this montage of playing pool, playing pool, playing pool. Really cool shots, yada yada yada. Uh, and we get to this final scene um, where um, Schroeder's character is um, is set up with a difficult shot, uh, and Johnny runs uh, a really clever uh, hustle on him. Stop, stop, easy, easy, no, 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 shit, shit. All right, shoot the shot already, it's an easy shot. Yeah, easy shot, my ass. Shots how much you know about that game. I can't believe I'm playing with somebody so fucking stupid. Hey, look, I ain't biting on any of your Southside shark techniques, so just shut up. Shot can't be me, Brad. Believe me, I'd rather have you shoot the shot than me. Yeah, me too. Come on. Hey, bullshit. If you think it's so easy, why don't you get up here and shoot it? Believe me, I wish I could. With a shot like that, I'd even pay you to shoot it. Well, how much is it worth to you, Johnny boy? What are you trying to say? Well, you think you can make it? 
I say it can't be made. I don't want him shooting it. So why don't you walk over there and speak to Daddy Warbucks and see how much it's worth to you? <laughs> Listen, I don't got to ask nobody nothing. That's a tough fucking shot. It's worth maybe, I don't know, a couple hundred bucks. <laughs> a couple hundred bucks. We're playing for a hundred big ones. And you want to offer me a couple of hundred? Offer me five dimes. And then maybe I'll think about it. What are you saying, Joe? You don't want to go home broke once John makes this shot. Listen, mister, all due respect, but save your money, because you don't know the game. The shot can't be made. It's up to you. Joe, here's your gas money. You're going to need it. Excuse me. you thinking, huh? I told you you couldn't make the shot. Oh, what are you doing? I'm taking my shot. No. See, I just paid $5,000 for your shot. Now it's my shot. Hey! Hey, listen, you can't do that. You can't do that. You can't do that. Just did. This is bullshit. It's not any old tricks you should have been looking out for, Joe. <laughs> this is bullshit, man. This is fucking bullshit. Um, by the way, uh, YouTube, uh, YouTube uh, caught on to some copyright stuff. Uh, uh, All right. Yeah, very well. Um, I guess I, I guess there's enough clips of pool hall junkies on YouTube that they know what. Um, <laughs> I, like like if Mars Callahan wants some uh, want uh, if I can license this uh, maybe I can maybe but I can't find them I can't yeah even find we can't find we you know we'd like to tell people <laughs> hey buy this DVD some money yeah. into Mars's pocket but it's not available by the way if you <laughs> went on eBay if you looked for pool hall junkies you can like there's copies of, there's D, people send this DVD for like 20 30 40 50 bucks yeah. Like it's that is that is that rare or is that yeah. uh, rare to find? So, um, I don't know if uh, YouTube's going to bring us back on well, I, uh, before we end this. But all right, I want to thank since you're bringing it up, uh, listener Eric. A few years back, he actually mailed us a copy of the DVD. That's why we have it. So thank you, oh, to Eric. Cool. So that's it. That's all I have. That's all I have for pool hall junkies. L- let me ask you one thing. So yes. I, I thought this was interesting. So you showed that scene earlier where Johnny makes a deal with his girlfriend's boss that if he makes the shot, the boss has to give her a job. She doesn't know about it at that point. In fact, doesn't even find out about the bet till later in the movie. And when she does find out, she's really kind of grateful to him. And it's like, oh, she's, she's like, oh boy, you really are looking out for me, that kind of thing. I think typically in movies, a girlfriend would be pretty angry about that, <laughs> don't you think? Seemed like the opposite of how it would really have gone down. So I think, yes, that's a great point. I did <laughs> think that that was the more unrealistic part of anybody's character was her yeah, gratitude. She's really happy when it should be like, hey, I want to get this job on my own merits. Now that's going to be hanging over me, you know, through my whole career. But no, yeah. it turns out she's grateful to him for, for doing it. <laughs> Imagine being at a law firm and people found out you got your job because someone won a bet on a pro right. game. Right. You know, right. like you're right. No one would respect you for the rest yeah. of your time there. <laughs> um, yeah, it's it's one of the like 
that the scene of the wager is so crucial to sort of the relationship he ends up having with Christopher Walken's character and stuff. But, uh, you know, how is, um, uh, you know, how, how should she respond while also supporting him? Mm-hmm. Um, I think it would, I think they could have gotten away with her being, I appreciate the thought, uh, you know, I they think could have done something, but they right. She know, could have yeah, made a this. statement where she's like, "I could have done this on my own." Like, I appreciate right. you thinking, but yeah. But her just being like, "Oh my goodness, I had no idea." Like, I don't. I owe everything <laughs> I am to you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So that was uh, that was pool hall junkies. Um, uh, just one one. She's gonna have to go uh, overpay for a DVD of pool hall junkies. Um, look. I love the movie. It's 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 a lot of fun. Um, it's like fun to watch again, but like since it's not on any streaming service, I'm not gonna go through the like go through the effort of like getting it into a DVD. Pl- I know, like I'm t- talking like it's a big like labor, like huge labor to like put something <laughs> in a DVD player. But I only have I only have one DVD player in my house, and fortunately, yeah. <laughs> the I have my 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 all in one computer still has a, a DVD drive. Right. Otherwise, I would have had to get creative on how to play this. Right. Yeah. Um, no. It's true. So yeah. uh, it's worth watching. It's worth having. It's worth watching like again every once in a while. But it's nothing where like I wouldn't. Have, um, it's really easy to have. It's one. It's definitely one of those things where it's really easy to have on if you don't. If you if you want to passively watch yeah. something yeah. while you're yeah. Agreed. I think it's a fun movie. I may have mentioned it before. It has a lot of cliches in it as far as yeah. you know what happens in the plot and even some of the dialogue. But it's watchable and uh, and enjoyable. So yeah, I agree. Yep. Okay, well, um, these are two movies that you and I were unsure if we wanted to do because of their availability, and right. so we decided to just do them together. Um, and so hopefully this has inspired people to to check out the movies if they haven't um, uh, gotten a chance to. Excuse me, the next time we do this, uh, I think I want to go, I want to do another episode on just random, some random TV episodes. Okay, sounds um, good. Yeah, I'm going to dip back into my bag of, uh, there's a couple episodes from Ted Lasso that has some uh, gambling references. I found one in the show Enchantment, which is some animated show on Netflix. Sure, right, uh, Matt Groening, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, got a couple of random ones that uh, we'll, we'll get on and then we'll we'll do a more organized effort with maybe some more movies or something okay. um, following that. Mark, thank you so much for your time, man. I yeah, love doing this with you. I, I do too. I love it. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. Thanks. Yeah. Uh, good luck. Uh, good luck at the casino. Thank you. Uh, yes. Uh, even even more luck to to Doctor Mike at the casino. Yeah, I know. Uh, when do, when do you go to Biloxi? Friday morning. Wow. Okay. Well, good luck to you. Thank you. Yes. Yeah. I I'm looking forward to it. I'm half vaccinated. Um, as am and, I, yeah, yeah, and which is half more than I thought I would be going into <laughs> yeah. Biloxi, so that's it's kind of nice. Um, yeah, I, I don't plan on doing much outside of the casino. I think we might get dinner one night somewhere that's not in the casino, otherwise, I kind of just plan on staying on property, yeah. Um, good. yeah, but yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Good, well, good luck. Yep, Mark, can't wait to do this with you again in another four weeks, man. Okay, take See care. Ya. So as you heard, I think there towards the end, YouTube, uh, you know, obviously YouTube is very sensitive to copyrighted material, which I appreciate. Uh, I do appreciate that. Um, I, I tried pushing the the boundaries a little bit on what we could do. But, um, you know, in our last one, we were featured the Cooler and Hard 8. We got flagged. We got flagged on this one. So do not push my luck. Um, I may try one more time with clips, uh, but I'll just keep the clips super short rather than trying to really play out a scene that, uh, that we're going to talk about. Keep, I'll, I might try to keep the clips super short 
see if that uh, triggers anything. But there's a good chance that these episodes here with Mark, uh, I may not, I may not do live on YouTube. Other interviews, I will. Interviews will still be uh, broadcasted live on YouTube where appropriate when the guest is willing. But uh, these better, uh, these better viewing episodes looking at tv shows and movies uh might be a twitch only thing Cause wait, i even got flagged on facebook as soon as as soon as the video ended about a 30 minutes later got a copyright copyright hit so uh, and i think it was for one of the scenes in pool hall junkies i think is what it did i imagine uh whoever had the publishing rights to that probably has uh someone working for them to to make sure that gets caught which is probably why it's not anywhere right which is probably why such a small film can't be found anywhere is because they are they are protecting it so Oh, well, uh, say la vie. My friend Adam Bauer, travel fanboy, most of you know, uh, has started a, a little Vegas-friendly newsletter. Um, and uh, travelfanboy.com slash newsletter is where you can uh, check it out and sign up. And I invited him to, um, for each week that he puts out a newsletter, to, to record me a, a quick clip, uh, a quick little, little um, few minutes of... Uh, of something that he's he's feeling, something that uh, may give us a glimpse into the newsletter without without of course giving away anything that other people are signing up for. But uh, you know, when someone says, "Hey, come sign up for a newsletter, come check out what I'm doing," uh, you know, it's like, "Oh, what? what I mean, what 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 are you doing?" So I've invited him to to submit audio like this each each week that his newsletter goes out. This is no paid promotion. This is no. Uh, no really affiliate thing. This is just a collaboration between me and one of my friends. Um, I like what he's doing. I like it when Adam creates content. So, uh, here's Adam and his newfound fondness for Sahara. Hey everyone. Thanks to Tim for allowing me to share these newsletter tidbits. You know, I've probably mislabeled it because I don't actually cover any news. Anyway, one casino that has unexpectedly received a lot of coverage in the newsletter so far is Sahara. Sahara, not only is it still open, by the way, it is making moves that I think is worthy of considering a visit up to that north end of the strip there. Uh, first reason, according to Vegas Advantage, they're running $5 craps, $10 fortune pie gal, and $15 baccarat, all good games for low rollers. Uh, reason number two, if you're a pool person, which I am, they have two pools open right now, a third really nice kind of luxury pools on the way in late summer. And the cabanas at the two pools that are open, Alexandria and Retro, can be had for as low as $400 a day in food and beverage minimums. Meaning that you don't have a, a standard rental fee, you just have to make sure that you and your group spend up to $400. This pool cabana fare, the food and beverage minimum at $400, is actually probably one of the better pool slash cabana deals on the Strip. Now, if you are booking a pool in Las Vegas right now, with social distancing and uh, capacity standards kind of in place, make sure that you're calling the resort ahead of time before you book anything. Some resorts are not allowing non-hotel guests to access the pool right now. I, I think that's going to change a little bit as the standards uh, start to kind of relax a little bit in Las Vegas in the coming months, but always good to make sure. Uh, and then the final reason why I'm liking Sahara right now is the ability to reserve a table game uh, for a group online. Now, table game reservations, not entirely new in Las Vegas. What I think sets Sahara apart right now is that you can do it online very easily. You can book it without having to talk to people, and I'm a big fan of anything that does that. 
Uh, but also the the rules are, are pretty liberal here. So uh, first, let's just get to the games. So they offer three games that you can reserve online. Uh, so you can reserve a blackjack table, a baccarat table, and a double zero roulette table. Now I did some kind of dummy bookings here and I was looking at fares. So they actually offer, this is interesting, I don't really know what to make of it. They offer the ability to reserve a six to five blackjack table or a three two blackjack table. Of course, the minimums uh, that you need to be playing at for the 3-2 is higher than the 6-5. Uh, so what I'm seeing right now is you can reserve a 6-5 table uh, with a $15 minimum, and you can reserve a 3-2 table with a $75 minimum. That's the, the cheapest I'm seeing. Uh, Baccarat, I've seen as low as $50. The standard seems to be $75. Uh, and then double zero roulette uh, looks like a $15 minimum is easy to find kind of across the board there. The nice thing about this reservation is there's no time limit, so you don't have to be um, playing for uh, a certain amount of time, and there's no maximum either, so you can play as, as, as long as you want, um, according to them, uh, as long as everybody at the table is playing at the established uh, minimum there. So uh, really, really nice, you know, six to five thing uh, isn't entirely fun but you know if you're looking for uh, maybe you're on a bachelor party bachelorette party just with a big group and you want kind of your own private table you know some of these minerals might seem a, a little bit high but showing you that there there are options for you if you want to be a, a little bit creative there uh, right now you can book up to three days in advance and so i did a bunch of dummy bookings throughout the last couple of weeks there and that's kind of what the table minimums um, i saw were so uh that's it for today. Uh, Sahara Fanboy is apparently going to be uh, my new name. Uh, but uh, thanks to Tim again for allowing me to share a few of the nuggets in the newsletter. Of course, this isn't everything that's in there. Uh, you know, we tend to focus on five or six things every newsletter, whether it's deals, happy hours, or whatever it else uh, it is that, uh, that I dug up. So I uh, should be back here in a few more weeks to share more. Thank you, Adam, for, for submitting that. And I've mentioned this in the live stream a couple of times, but, um, you know, one of the things I really appreciate appreciate about Adam is when I invite him to, to do something, he really says no. And it's it's always fun to have a reliable friend uh, like that, and especially in this community um, that, uh, that I, you know, me and, you know, I feel like him and I both have the same um, opinions about, you know, uh, maintaining a strong community and, and keeping it accountable and stuff like that. So, um Thank you again to Adam. I'm headed to Biloxi. By the time some of you have heard this, I know I know a lot of people are on the delayed podcast listening program. By the time a lot of you listen to this, I've already been to Biloxi. Uh, but for those of you that listen in the first the, the first day it drops, uh, by the time you're listening to this, I'm I'm probably on my way to Biloxi. Friday to to Monday, uh, 23rd to 26th. That's when I'll be uh, in Biloxi, Mississippi, staying at Beau Rivage. Uh, if you're going to be there, shoot me a DM at the better life on Twitter, or send me a message over Instagram at the better life on Instagram. I'll be, I'll be doing things on Instagram while I'm down there. I'm, I'm, I'm I want to revive that, um, that medium, that platform. And I think I'm going to start with, uh, some stuff from Biloxi. So, uh, follow me there. If you're into Instagram, uh, type stuff for you, Facebook users, sorry, that's, uh, Facebook's a tough one for me to remember to do anything with. Um, if you want to, Facebook is a place where, where I will be live streaming. So that's, that's a, a reason to be there for some reason. The other two platforms don't work out for, or don't make sense for you for, uh, viewing live streams. Uh, anybody who's been to the website, the betterlife.us probably notices that there's a, uh, there's a, there's a, you know, site and service or, you know, the temporary, temporary, not here type, uh, little, little, uh, message there. 
Uh, one of the a theme that I was running had a weird update or it didn't get a proper update or something like that. It kind of threw the whole thing out of whack. And so uh, GoDaddy helped me with just uh, taking it down and cleaning up some code to, uh, to make sure that everything's back uh, back up and going. So um, if you've if you've been going there, what was going on? Uh, I'm aware. Uh, you know they're they're helping me get it figured out. If you've been trying to put it in an order, um, I will hopefully have um, actually a website. Uh, I'll have a URL that'll be separate from the from the website. Those will be connected, but uh, there'll be a way to separate both the, the store from the website. So um, anybody who's interested in, in ordering some merchandise can still do so. All right, uh, I'm going to wrap this up. Uh, thank you so much for taking the time to listen. Really, uh, it, it does mean a lot to me as, as every week that I do this, um, you know, I'm just sort of, uh, still st- taken aback that there's so much good content out there. And those of you that take the time to hit play, uh, on the better life, whether it's the day after the week after like three months on the road, you're like, oh, let me catch up on the better life. I appreciate it. Time is valuable. Appreciate you spending your time here with me. Uh, next week will probably be a lot about Biloxi. Uh, look, it'll be the, it'll be the first time I spend more than like two hours in a casino since the pandemic. Uh, it'll be the first trip that I take. It'll be only my second time to Biloxi. Um, so probably a lot to talk about there, uh, both casinos, uh, you know, the the casino life, gaming, sports betting, everything. Um, and maybe, maybe I can get a couple people who are, who are going to be there to, to join me in a little bit of a discussion. So next week, expect some Biloxi talk on behalf of Mark Duvall, on behalf of Adam Bauer. I am Timothy Lawson. Good night and good luck. (laughs)